a lot of times, even though the athletes and what, you know, whether it's the, the pros or just the general community, um, you know, we're, we're at the center of, of these events and these circuits and, um, you know, these campaigns and things, but I feel like often we're not really included in the conversations. Um, and so I think, um, one of the really big changes that I hope can come from establishing the association is like, exactly like you're saying, we just like kind of positioning ourselves as, um, having a voice and a role for being involved in the communication. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I get, um, back to the, I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot lately, but I think like almost every conflict with like anything can be solved with better communication. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think like it takes a little bit of work sometimes to establish the communication. Um, and often, you know, there's some hard conversations that need to happen, but I think like, you know, with any relationship, it's like good communication can, can bring change. And so I think that's a, a really good starting point and good initial goal for us as an association is just like having those conversations. Welcome or welcome back to the Vertran podcast, Running Long. I'm your host, Francesco Puppi. I'm a professional athlete for Nike and also a Vertran coach. Today's guest is Caitlin Jerbin, a pro trail runner for the North Face living in Washington, United States. Caitlin has established herself as one of the best endurance athletes in the world. She's been off the pod- on the podium of two of the most iconic and competitive ultra trail races in the world. Western States in 2017 and UTMB last year. She's a true lover of the sport, of the mountains, and the wild spaces of the Pacific Northwest. Kathleen decided to take a break from her job as a scientist to fully focus on running professionally. And now she's not only active as a pro athlete, but she's also got a strong voice inside the trail running community. Together with me and other five professional athletes from all over the world, She's part of the board of the Pro Trail Runners Association, a nonprofit with a mission to help athletes share their opinions and needs and be an active part in shaping the future of our sport. In this episode, we will talk about her growth as an athlete, her decision to leave her job as a scientist, the differences that we see between trail running in the United States and in Europe, her involvement in the Pro Trail Runners Association, its idea and mission, and how she's contributing to the project. This is a super inspiring conversation. I personally loved speaking with Kathleen. For those of you who are new here, Vertran is the number one training app for trail and ultramarathon runners of all levels. Our mission is to make trail running accessible to everybody everywhere through affordable coaching. That's why all our coaching plans cost only $25 per month. With your Vertran subscription, you will get a personal coach who checks in with you each week to answer your questions, adjust your training plan, and keep you accountable and inspired. For those of you who want to give training Vertran a try, you can take 30% off your first month of training with the code RUNNINGLONG30. Let's get started. Kathleen Jerbin. Kathleen Jerbin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we finally managed to, to catch up. Um, I know <laughs> it's, been, been, it's been busy yeah we've actually been chatting quite a bit on the Pro Trail Runners Association uh, chat on WhatsApp 
So it feels like uh, I've known you a little bit, even though, you know, we've, we've never met in person. And, um, you know, it, I'm glad that we finally got a chance to sit down and, uh, and really talk in front of yeah, each other. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's, it's funny because I think we've had this meeting scheduled a few different times and then had to move it because we always had different meetings for the Pro Trail Runners Association. And so we've still ended up talking during those times, just not one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about this, but that's the challenge of having people from so many different time zones and um, it kind of needs to take the priority to make sure we can meet at the right time. So it's good to finally just sit down and talk to you. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, in be between you, uh, you live in Washington and Esther who lives in Hong Kong. I don't know yeah. how many time zones we have, so it's difficult to find a time for that works for everyone. And being uh -huh. in Europe, I'm, I think I'm kind of lucky because it kind of falls in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so. it does. That's the thing is with, um, I think with, with meeting with people with with Europe and the U.S. is no problem. With Europe and Asia is is no problem. But then Europe, U.S. and Asia together, like yeah, it's, it's like either either Esther or I are kind of doing a call in the middle of the night. But usually it's Esther. So actually, she's yeah, yeah. Well, you can talk talk more about about her too. But yeah, she's I think been a, a rock star taking calls um, <laughs> at eleven p.m. Um, sometimes with her two girls waking up because they are interested in what her mom their mom's doing on the calls so yeah. yeah awesome yeah we will definitely speak more about the pro Runners association in which we're both involved uh, but uh, first i i would like to ask you a few questions about about you um maybe give your give yourself a brief introduction like in short for people who don't know you yeah totally um yeah, so my name's Caitlin Gerben. Um, I live in the U.S. I'm in Washington State. Um, so Seattle is the big city that I live about 30 minutes away from Seattle, but I'm closer to the foothills and, and the mountains. Um, so not living right in the city, but it's nice because the place that I live now, I have trails just in the backyard. So I have different options to run every day. Um, and we also are based at, you know, pretty close to sea level here. And so that means year round, there's trails that stay snow free that I can run on, but also just 30 minutes away, we have mountains with, with lots of snow. And so I've been doing a lot of ski touring and split boarding um, this winter, which has been really fun and, and a good way to kind of switch things up. But um, yeah, a little, a little bit more about me. So I am a pro trail runner for North Face and um I've been racing kind of in trail and ultra for about 10 years. Um, and I think my favorite race distances are the longer ultra ultra endurance stuff. So I do a lot more like hundred mile races. I think that's kind of my specialty. Um, and so I really like long mountain races. Um, and then in addition to racing, I spend a lot of time just in the mountains in general. And I really like kind of mixing different different types of movement. And so kind of combining some alpinism and mountaineering with endurance and doing some fun projects. So yeah, just have a lot of fun kind of spending a lot of time out in the mountains, no matter how I do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the way I've known you, that's what it sounds. Um, you know, it's a 
slightly different approach from what I have because coming from a track and field and road running background, my approach is maybe a less like a outdoor oriented and more, a little bit more competitive maybe, mm -hmm. but I do look at the, you know, adventure side and outdoor side of the sport with a, a lot of interest. Um, and I totally uh, appreciate people like you or, or Killian or, you know, other adventurous people that just uh, enjoy doing different activities uh, outside. So, and I was also thinking when you mentioned that you live in Seattle. Um, so I was in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon last year. And everyone mentioned that uh, there's this kind of rivalry between Washington and Oregon of hmm. like Washington being the bigger and wilder version of Oregon. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to go to Washington because <laughs> it must be a beautiful place. And I was so impressed, uh, you know, about Portland, Oregon, uh, Mount Hood. And I was looking... Um, you know, I could see like, uh, I think it was Mount St. Helens or something mm -hmm. yep. from the city. Um, so like all these high mountains, um, it must be a really beautiful place where, where you live. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the rivalry. I don't, I probably wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't say it that way, but you said it yourself that Washington is, is the bigger and kind of wilder version. So since you said it, it's okay. <laughs> if I said it, I might I mean, it came from um, start people, some arguments with people. <laughs> yeah, I came from um, the people of Portland, so. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Washington, you're right, though. Like, Washington is a pretty wild place, I think, for, um, for mountains in the U.S. It's really easy in Washington to get very remote where you're – you know, maybe there's a, a trail, but you can drop over one ridge and then suddenly there's no cell service, no view. You can't see any any civilization. Um, and I mean, yeah, maybe maybe we'll talk about this more later, but I, I spent a week doing a project in a pretty remote part of Washington over the last summer. And there was a, a time with, I think, four and a half days where we didn't see a single person no tracks, no campsites, no roads, nothing, um, just moving. And so I think it's, it's a pretty special place where there's a lot of, um, you know, big volcanoes, there's glaciers, really rugged landscape, um, and not a lot of trails or roads. And so it's, yeah, it's a really fun playground if you like kind of exploring and getting off trail and away from, away from people. Wow. You got me super inspired <laughs> yeah I mean, it'd be so I yeah I think um especially like things you do in the Italian Alps would be fun if you if you ever made it back to the northwest um it'd be fun to show you around up here yeah you know everything is so small and so civilized here in Europe um we don't have wilderness anymore basically like yeah of course it's you can get up in the mountains and there is no one up there and we can consider that kind of wild, but you're mm -hmm. still always relatively close to some village or town or or some kind of civilization. Well, for example, even being, you know, on the Pacific Crest Trail around Mount Hood, for example, to me felt like being in the proper wilderness, even yeah. though it's 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 probably not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's all relative, but I think yeah. there's really amazing 
ways to appreciate and explore both types of places. Like I spent about almost two months in Europe this last summer um, between UTMB and then um, I was crewing for Tour de Jeanne and so spent almost two months in, in the Alps. And it's very, you're right, very different in the um, remoteness where there's just people kind of everywhere compared to where I had just been, you know, out in the remote mountains in Washington. So it's very different. But also, I think it is really amazing the access that you have in, especially in the Alps, where um, you know, we, I'd be up on a ridgeline, maybe I ran from the bottom up to the top and had a really kind of really hard, difficult run. But then you get to the top and then there's people of all ages, like children with their grandparents walking on these trails and exploring and, and appreciating the mountains. And it's because they can take a, a gondola or something up to the top. And that's the kind of thing that is just really hard to do in in Washington, where um, there's kind of no easy way to get up and into the mountains. And so I think, um, you know, there's also really nice things about being able to share that with, with more people that more people can experience it too. That's interesting because, um, you know, I was reflecting on what you just said, um, maybe more related to like the way people approach, um, a sport like trail running, because like, I think the sport culture here in Europe and the U.S. is is pretty different. And here in Europe, we have a vision of a sports as something that you like. You have to be fully invested or dedicated in order in order to call yourself an athlete. You know, I feel like the entry level for someone who wants to be a runner is uh, is really high. Um, for example, if you're not training this way or doing workouts or you know racing a marathon, you're basically not an athlete. Well, mm. in the United States, for example, I feel that there is a lot more room for other approaches. And uh, and many times the fact of being a trail runner is just an excuse to be part of a community and have a social life that is connected with the sport. And I like in the end, I feel this approach is much more sustainable and enjoyable and sometimes also mm -hmm. leads to, to better results. But on the contrast, like, you, you just mentioned that the access to, to the trails, to the outdoors, you felt that it's easier here in the Alps in Europe compared to the United States. So I thought it was like a, you know, yeah. a peculiar thing to, to point out. Yeah, totally. I mean, at least, at least for getting into the Alpine, um, there's yeah. a lot of, um, yeah, I, th I think yeah, access is all, all, but in order to like kind of get up and see, see glaciers and run up on ridge lines or go for hikes and stuff up there. I think um, there's fewer places, at least where I live here, where you can just kind of drive up or or take a gondola or something up to to get those views. So yeah, but definitely like there's a, a really strong community aspect, I think, in a lot of places where people are trail running in the US. Um, and I think, um, I don't know if you've raced any U.S. races before, but that you know, there's some of the kind of bigger, more well-known ones that um, tend to bring more international competition, like Western states, for example. Um, but e even even that race, this is true. But definitely for some of the smaller local races, it's a lot more community oriented. I think um, maybe than what I've experienced in some of the races in in Europe, where there's kind of you know, it's really like 
a lot smaller, not a lot of um, kind of big. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it just it feels a lot more like you just show up to a trail and then you're running with your friends. Um, and there's also a race that happens, but it's just a little bit. Um, it's not really like a big event. And I think um, I've you know I I've raced a lot in the U.S., but also now in the last few years, been going to Europe a lot to race. And I think. I really enjoy both aspects, but I, I think um, it's just a pretty big difference. So I, I feel like it would be in the same way that I tell, you know, U.S. runners, if they ever get a chance to go and race in Europe, um, they should do it because it's just a completely different experience. And I think the same for any European runners. Um, it'd be really fun to see, you know, some pro European runners come and race some of these kind of smaller races in the u.s where they're really challenging courses and really beautiful places but you know instead of kind of having a big blow-up arch with music and everything at the start it's just a bunch of people standing in the middle of the woods and then someone says okay go <laughs> and then, you know you're just kind of off in, in the wilderness it's, it's just a different experience but really um i don't know i think it can be really rewarding too yeah exactly it feels like the race is almost an excuse to just get together and enjoy a day out in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. uh, while here in Europe, there is always more this like competitive uh, competitive aspect. And uh, when you go to a race, people expect that it's always organized in a certain way. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I feel like we're losing a little bit the, the grassroots events of the origins. Um, mm -hmm towards a more professional and also like performance oriented um, uh, type of competition, which is, you know, it brings good and bad aspects with it. Um, yeah. It's a natural consequence of the development of the sport, but um, for the, for the people, for the community, I feel it's important to also preserve uh, those uh, smaller events um, that have like a more human um, at atmosphere that it that yeah. feels like smaller. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Like with a little more grassroots kind of community centered events. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it because I feel it's a topic that is maybe related to parts of the work that we were, we were doing with the Pro Traverance Association. But mm -hmm. before we move on with that, um, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about um um you know how you, how is your passion for running interconnected with your work as a bioengineer because um i know you're a scientist um mm -hmm. and uh, you've actually taken a break from your scientist job to fully focus yep. on running so um, i wanted to ask you a little bit about about it because um i'm like in a similar situation because i graduated from physics um in 2017 and i I started teaching for two years and then I decided that I wanted to focus on running basically. Yeah. So yeah. How are you feeling about it? And um, can you maybe describe a little bit uh, your scientific background? Yeah, no, great. And actually, yeah, you're right. Like we actually, it sounds like we have a lot of overlap in that. So I um, actually moved to Washington from a really small farming town in the Midwest where there was not mountains. We didn't, I didn't have access to, to any real mountain terrain there. So I moved to Washington to get my graduate degree in bioengineering. And so 
I think it was always kind of intertwined for me because the moment that I moved to a place that had mountains and and more access to to bigger terrain, that was right at the time when I was starting my graduate degree and really kind of diving into that. And so running for me, I really started with, um, I don't know, kind of, I guess, a little bit of a break from the stress that I was having with my graduate work. And so it was always like the moment when I could just take, you know, an hour to get out of the lab, out of the university and go and just run in the woods by myself. And I feel like that was always this really like centering and grounding time. Um, and so I think it it really helped me a lot. Like, I, I don't know, like, I mean, I'm sure I would have gotten through my degree without without finding trail running, but finding trail running in the middle of that was like a really, um, it, it helped, it helped add a really like positive side to my experience during those years that were in general, I think pretty stressful for me. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, interestingly, like I, you know, I, I kind of started, started racing a little bit while I was in graduate school and then, um, got into Western States when I was, I think I, I, it was either like right as I was finishing my degree or, or in the kind of in the middle of the, at the end of my thesis. And so got into Western States, started a, a job working as a scientist at a nonprofit research institute in Seattle. And so um, that I really, really enjoyed that job is doing really interesting work. And I, my specialty was studying um, stem cells and cardiac applications. And so um, I was doing a lot of um, research in the lab, always kind of at the bench doing experiments, um, looking at microscopes, growing cells, um, which is, yeah, it was, it was really fun, really fun work. And I had a really fun team that I was working with, but um, kind of like the growth of my science career was happening at the same time that the growth of my professional trail running career was happening. And so I started getting more opportunities to go and travel to race. Um, and for many years, I was racing internationally, but really like had very limited time to train and also really limited time to travel. And so, um, you know, the training I could fit in pretty well, where I was like a lot of running with a headlamp early morning or running or running in the evenings. And I think it, it almost was a good thing because it prevented me from overtraining and it made me kind of learn to take a, my own approach to things. I think there's so many different ways that we can, um, you know, push ourselves and grow as athletes, but ultimately we have to figure out really what works best for our schedule and our lifestyles. And my schedule and lifestyle is very different from a lot of other pro athletes I was racing against. And so I think that kind of helped me from the beginning, just really figure out like, this is the limited time I have to train. I can't get the same, you know, I can't run a hundred mile weeks. I can't run, you know, this many hours of training, but I could do, you know, just this much. And so that's what I was doing. Um, and I was, you know, traveling, like working up until the weekend before the race, flying to like the Canary Islands, for example, um, racing two days later, finishing the race, flying home the next day, going to the lab, you know, it, it just had like very limited time. And so I think for a couple of years, I was thinking like, when would be maybe the right time for me to take a break from my science job um, and just pursue running a little bit more. Um, and it took me a couple of years to do it, but yeah, actually, like you mentioned just last year, I decided to take a step back from my science career. 
um, and really pursue being a professional athlete. Um, and that coincided with a lot of things like I had signed on with the North face and also had, um, joined on with a few other sponsors that, um, you know, I think as you know, being a pro runner is a lot more than just training and racing. There's a lot of involvement with the brands. Um, you know, we're, we're extensions of the marketing teams and product development and traveling for events and being involved in meetings and things. And so it just started to get to the point where I was like, I can't, I can't do my best at being a pro runner and also do my best at being a scientist at the same time. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I decided to take that leap last year. And to be honest with you, I think for probably the first six months, I was not really sure if I was doing the right thing. I would find like when I was busy, like when I was in the middle of a project or training for a race or something, I was really happy with my decision, but then on my rest days or like in the down weeks or something, I would find myself sometimes like looking for other jobs, um, like kind of like updating my resume and looking for, looking for jobs and stuff. And I think it just took me, it took me a while to really um, lean in to be to the professional side of being a pro runner. Um, and so I think like, you know, there was a lot of things that I learned and a lot of kind of ups and downs through that process last year. But I think now um, it's been really different to like start this new year, just like really accepting that like, yeah, like I really see this as a profession and there's a lot of different ways to challenge myself. Um, and that's not always just with training. Like there's a lot of other ways to to be involved in like the Pro Trail Runners Association is is one way that I've decided to really stick my time in to, you know, improve and maintain aspects of the sport that I really value. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's been a learning process, but I think I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. And I just feel really fortunate to be in a position where I have sponsors that are supporting me and, you know, I don't know, we don't always get these opportunities in life. And so I'm, yeah, I feel like science will always be there. I'll always probably be able to, to go back and and find find a, a role there, but I'm not sure how long I would have this opportunity to be a pro athlete, and so it's been fun to to kind of learn that process. And yeah, so far so far I think it's awesome. I think it's like the best job ever. So it's kind of unreal to think that like, oh yeah, this is my job right now. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I feel like you've just told my my story basically. Really, <laughs> it's yeah. been a very similar process, honestly. And I, you know, I remember when I, I decided to study physics after high school, um, mm -hmm. that, you know, being a professional runner was not even a thought, not even in my dreams, you know, yeah. I was running, but, uh, I was doing it just for fun. And of course, running was like a side activity that helped me get through my studies. And, mm -hmm. um, like, I remember during lunch break at university i would go to the to the track that was just outside the university to you know get in a 40 minute run or whatever <laughs> and that yep. probably saved my my university days in milan um but then like the passion for running grew and grew and uh, i became kind of good at it so you know i think chances um come and go and opportunities need to be taken at the right time. So um, we probably had the, like a similar one when, yeah. you know, something that 
was a passion we became really good at. And, um, you know, someone was there to kind of recognize that um, we're, we're good at what we do, which is running mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and winning races and uh, just pushing ourselves. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a really great opportunity that we have. And I feel really lucky to be able to go, you know, to run, like running my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I do feel like there is some pressure from the outside. Like when I have to explain people that running is my job, for example, instead of having a normal job, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's not always easy. I don't know how you feel about it. But, I, um, yeah. You know, even I agree. knowing that I, <laughs> you know, I've changed, you know, basically people think about um, someone's career as something very linear. So if you decided to study physics, then you have to go to, to do a certain job and, you know, mm-hmm. exploit your physics degree to do, you know, to work in a energy company, for example, yeah. while I decided to do a completely different thing. Yeah. So for me, it's sometimes hard to accept that, um, to feel the pressure of, you know, people and society that mm-hmm. expects me to do something different. I don't know if it's, if it's been similar for you. Yeah, it's been absolutely the same. Um, and I, one thing that I realized again, this like, took me maybe half of last year to really realize is that it's all. I think we're we're influenced by the people in our immediate communities. And I think a lot like from my professional contacts and my professional career as a scientist, most of the people that I was interacting with in that setting are on the different path. They're on the same path that I just decided to step off of. And so I think, you know, that pressure of like, what are the next steps or like, Oh, you, you are running for your career. Like you said, like, it's harder for people to understand kind of what that looks like as a job. But I also found that, you know, I have a lot of um, friends through the outdoor community that have more kind of contract type work or freelance work. Um, So like photographers are an example of that, or, you know, videographers or people who do kind of product testing and gear reviews. And like, you know, I think um, the, I, those were, were friends kind of in my community, but maybe in a little bit of a different circle than what most of my science friends were in. Um, And so I found like, I don't know, it's just really helpful to talk to people who have had kind of different career paths, because I realized like a lot of the things I was struggling with, you know, when I was used to having a job where I'm working, you know, 8am at the the lab or at the computer until, you know, 5 or 6pm, whatever the schedule was. Um, I I was having a hard time not having that same schedule. And then when I talk to more freelance work friends, they're like, yeah, that's normal. Sometimes like they might be traveling for a job or a photo shoot or, um, you know, a, a project that is a full week and all day, every day for that full week, they're working. And then they come home and have a couple days where they have off and like, that's okay. Like, you know, it's like the concept of a weekend is different. And like, you're, you know, when work starts and when work ends is very different. And so I think it's just, um, yeah, I don't, I've at least gotten a lot of good advice from friends um, who have those kind of different schedules. And it's allowed me to kind of accept that, like, there's, there's an ebb and flow. And sometimes, some seasons are really, really busy and some weeks are really busy and other times um, we get a little bit of a break and that that's like, that's good. Like we shouldn't, like, I think my tendency was to try to fill all of the time 
um, yeah. with things. But then I realized that in order to be fully present when you need to be present, um, it's important to also have some downtime. So yeah, definitely yeah. It's something that I'm really not good at, but uh, <laughs> yeah. that I totally recognize. <laughs> and you know, mm -hmm. when I uh, when I was studying or when I when I was teaching in high school. I was I was used to comparing myself to to the pros um, that were maybe running hundred plus plus miles a week, um, but I, like I didn't realize that was not sustainable for me. So I was always pushing and pushing and asking myself mm -hmm. for for more. Mm -hmm. And even now in in my situation that I'm lucky enough to, you know, choose the most appropriate time of the day to go out and train um, to be able to focus on recovery quite a, quite enough um, mm -hmm. and to do like things that are generally expected from a pro runner. It's not always easy to, to maintain this, this type of balance, but it's definitely become easier, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's probably a, a similar thing that what you've gone through. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Running Long. In this quick break, I just wanted to share with you a message from one of the athletes that we coached through Bertrand named Derek. Derek is from the United States and last year he finished his first ultra at the Blues Cruise 50k ultra marathon. He says, I got COVID the week before the race and I was laid up for training for almost two weeks. Francesco revised my training schedule to balance my COVID recovery with training and tapering for the 50k. On race day, I was pleasantly surprised that I was still running so well as I crossed the finish line. I thank the Verbrand team for helping me get to both the start and the finish line. We were really proud to be able to coach Derek and watch his progress as an athlete. This is just one example of the success that our athletes have had thanks to Verbrand. Derek is an export athlete who trains with our $25 per month coaching subscriptions. If you want to try out Bertrand Coaching too, remember that you can get a 30% discount as a podcast listener with the code RUNNINGLONG30. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, I feel uh, less alone in this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's good, to, good to know that someone else has had a similar, um, similar path to this and I'm sure you know there's always it's always a learning process and we're learning um kind of how how things go as as we're like figuring it out as we go so yeah that's fine but it's it's fun I think and and you know this kind of relates to some of the work with like the pro trail runners association is that there's definitely um you know with with professionalism of the sport and there's also a need for the athletes who are being supported as professional athletes to be professional. And there's a lot of different things that that means, but I think, you know, from the outside and definitely before I, I was a, a pro runner, um, I kind of had an idea of what that might look like, which was kind of much more like, Oh, do you just have all this time to train and recover? And like, that's all you do. And actually like, you know, like we know there's actually, there's a, there's a lot of like, we, we are, it's work and we are um, putting in a lot of time, um, for other things. And I think people sometimes are surprised when they find out how much time I spend at my computer, like on meetings, um, yeah. you know, doing things as, as a sponsored athlete. And, um, anyway, so I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of room for growth there. Do you think your, your sponsor in our face, um, like they know 
about your involvement in the Pro Trail Runners Association and they like they think it's a it's a good thing. What is the yeah. the impression that you've had? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't had like a super specific conversation about it, but um, in general, I mean, they really support community involvement and um, expect us to be you know, representatives of the sport and of the brand. And so I think, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's great. And, um, there's also, um, Pau Capel is another North Face yeah. teammate that is, uh, that's also on the board. Um, and I also actually like with, when we were kind of growing, growing the association and trying to get members, I shared the link, um, with the information to the entire athlete team, um, not everyone joined, but many people did. Um, and that was um, with transparency with our athlete managers. And so people know that that's, um, that's being promoted and helped in their support of that. Um, yeah, I mean, that we, you know, the, the association is completely brand agnostic, like we're not supported by any brands. Um, and so they're not involved in any way, and nor should they be, I think, right? But it's, I think, as general as you know, I, I kind of see like my sponsors are one part of what I do, but then also I'm an individual and I'm an athlete. And I, I think I can stand for things that I want to improve with the sport. Um, and I think there tends to be a lot of overlap with what sponsors are asking too, but I think, you know, it's an independent thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And also the fact that you're like, a like you, you're standing for some good principles and values and you're like a community leader mm -hmm. I think it's very valuable um not everyone is able to do that and um you know there is different things that a brand expects an athlete to do uh, if he's or she is a pro runner mm -hmm. um and I feel like this is one of the things that brings value to to a sponsor not yeah you know, it doesn't necessarily put yourself in a in a situation where there are conflicts of interest with uh, your brands and uh, its goals and and everything. It's it's mm -hmm. important to to recognize that you know we're not necessarily working in the same direction, but we're standing for for good things and mm -hmm. to grow the community and the sport, which I feel it's something that deserves support. Yes, ab absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, have you, um, have conversations with your sponsors about pro trail runners or like, do you get a sense that they're also, you know, supportive of like your role as a community leader in this way? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, I haven't had direct conversations, but I do know that they kind of always follow what I do, uh, what I write, what I share on social media, mm -hmm. besides my results and, um, you know, besides all the other activities that I, I do besides running. Um, but, you know, with Nike also being such a big company, it's, it's not always easy to have a, like a day-to-day -day conversation about everything that I do. So mm -hmm. I feel they value my role as mm -hmm. not just a, an athlete in terms of results and uh, performances but also uh, you know 
I try to have a voice on some issues that our sport has, or, you know, to highlight some problems or to also to showcase the talent of uh, people that I'm inspired by. Um, yeah. I think it's not something very common to see, but I, I like to, to support my friends and the people that I, you know, that inspire me, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they're aware of that. So I feel in the end, all of these contributes to make myself the person, the athlete that I am, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. both from a brand standpoint and for the community that I speak to. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's a good thing. I don't have a final answer, but uh, I would like to to think about it as a, as a positive thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a good point. Yeah. But it's, it is true that, um, you know, our direct involvement in the Pro Trail Runners Association as part of the board sometimes put ourselves in a, in a maybe difficult situation because uh, we're exposing ourselves and, uh, you know, taking a responsibility on a lot of issues and topics that, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not that yeah. easy to to carry yeah i i i agree i think um we are focusing on things in the sport that have a lot of passionate people behind on both sides um and so i think anytime anytime you're doing that you're opening yourself up for uh criticism or um yeah or just just a little bit of risk i think being kind of involved in in that way so yeah that that's a a good point and definitely something i thought about um a bit but i think the way i see it like i don't i'm not really someone who you know like i follow like things in the sport and um you know definitely follow like what people are sharing on social media or in articles, like when something contentious comes out um, or, you know, we don't have like a lot of scandals really in our sport, thankfully yet. Um, <laughs> maybe there's a few, but you know, when like, when there's a, you know, announcement um, by some race or organization or something that is um, contentious or when we're talking about accessibility and representation in the sport, Um, like a lot of really kind of difficult topics. Um, I'm not really someone who shares a lot of my opinions on social media in that way. Um, Like I, you know, rarely, rarely will you see me post something that is like really like, I don't know, calling someone out for something um, because that's just not really my style. But what I do really like to do, like just because I'm not doing that in that way doesn't mean I'm not thinking about it or not passionate about it. And, And so I think, I kind of see like my involvement with the board about being like, we're kind of putting ourselves in the position of being leaders to gather that input from everyone who maybe is being really vocal about it and trying to come to a general consensus and conclusion in a way to like actually move things forward. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm less, I'm not going to be someone who's just like raising the flag about like, Hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong and like less public about that but instead being like okay this is a problem what are the different angles what are the different opinions about it how do we actually like instead of just kind of complaining about it maybe like how do we actually move it forward 
Um, and I think I see that, you know, the association in general, I think that's like one of the goals and as board members involved in different projects, like we're really kind of helping oversee and guide action on things. Um, and so, I don't know, I think there's a lot of different ways to be, to be involved in change. And so, um, I don't know if that makes us like more vulnerable or less vulnerable, probably more vulnerable because we're actually like, you know, hopefully really going to do some real work, which is, which is good. But obviously there's like, you know, there's pros and cons to that as, as people have opinions about how things should be. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes as we get started. I agree. I feel like we're channeling uh, a lot of ideas and needs and energy that a lot of people have and need, but that not not many people are willing to take a stand, like to to really work for. You know, it's yeah. much easier to complain, for example, on social media about you know an issue or mm-hmm. some kind of situation that's happened in the trail running world, rather than like understand and then take action and be effective. So yep. hopefully with our structure, we'll, we're trying to to do things the right way and bring change and be effective mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. positive way that has a good impact on on the overall trail community. It's, it's important to recognize that it's not just for the pro, even though the association is, is open only to elite and pro athletes but uh, the impact that we want want to have is uh, is much broader yes yeah that, that's a great point and um, and I actually will just add like I I wasn't entirely sure what the response from the association from the pro runner community would be um just with like actually like kind of taking this the step between like calling out something as a problem and then actually being willing to put in the work to change it um, but I, I like my impression, like I've been super impressed and inspired by the reaction we've had. Um, I mean, I'm like, we're involved in a working group together. Um, and I also have another working group that I'm a part of um, with Esther. And we have, I think within the first couple of days of announcing the groups, like we've had, we now have like over 10 volunteers for each of those groups. And so I think yeah, I, I want to say like we have like 180 members, or close to 200 members of the association. But I th- I think in addition to those members, we also have probably what like 40, maybe 40 different people who are volunteering as active parts of the working groups. And some of these are, I mean, many of them are are pro runners, but we also have a lot of support from general community from the general community. So people who, you know, are external collaborators that don't don't classify as a pro runner, but are still very much involved in the sport in various ways, and um, are you know, in some cases, some of these people are people who have been doing work in these spaces for a long time um, and are kind of coming in with expertise of like, oh yeah, like I've been working on this issue. This is how we've approached it. Um, anyway, it just, it's been really inspiring to see like how many people are out there that are like actually really willing to to put in the work and to meet for a Zoom call at 11 PM because we have, you know, eight different time zones <laughs> involved in our meetings and things. Um, so that's been um yeah, that's been really, really cool to see. And like, we're really at the stages right now where we're really just getting organized and getting 
getting things started, but I think there's a lot of momentum and it's just been awesome to see how many people are out there that are, that are helping to do the work. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's been the same for me. And uh, it's very important to recognize that like, there is a ton of people out there who's been doing a lot of good work for the trail running world. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to channeling this energy in the right direction and uh, not letting this project to be, you know, standalone, like too independent. Uh, I feel like if we have a group behind and uh, the strength of uh, the best trail runners in the world we're definitely much stronger and we can have a real impact so we're establishing ourselves as you know a, a, a big player besides the organizations the federation the circuits that have mm-hmm. the power within the sport mm-hmm. um so i feel it's important that uh, we have a voice in uh, in this way um so maybe for for people who are not like super expert or super into the Pro Trail Runners Association, can you maybe um, give us a brief description of what it is and uh, where it comes from and what is mm-hmm. the, the mission and the purpose? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm happy to. And uh, since you're one of the, the founders, you can help <laughs> fill in the gaps because I'm sure um, you you can you can kind of fill fill in what I missed, but. Yeah, um, essentially, we're we're an independent nonprofit association. So we're we're owned and run by athletes, um, and we are not we're not getting funding from specific brands with or stakeholders from interest. So we're really independent, and the goal of the association is really just to help you know take responsibility in protecting our sport as it's growing. Um, you know, we've seen. I think so much growth in trail running um, in the last few years, and definitely over the last decade, which is amazing to see. But I think we're also seeing that as that's happening, there's a lot of growing pains in that, and there's a need for kind of a an organized um, voice, is definitely from the professional runner side. And so um, we have, as I mentioned, I think close to 200 members that are all pro trail runners, um, and so kind of the restriction is like. Um, to be an association member, you have to be under contract or one of the top ranked athletes in your in your country. And so it's really like elite and pro focused. However, as you mentioned, um, we recognize that like m- so many of the issues that we're working on impact the greater trail running community. And so I think we we kind of see ourselves as being a voice for protecting the growth of the sport um, and just, you know, making sure it's protecting the interests of athletes, um, but also the environment and kind of just giving the runners um, a voice um, in addition to a lot of the stakeholders and federations and things that are making decisions, sometimes not always in the best interest of of the community in general. So um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to add anything else in there? No, I think you summarized really well um, how the project was born and the uh what's its purpose um maybe talk a little bit about um the projects and areas that you're interested in working on yeah um 
Yeah, so we actually, and I just thought of one other thing to add is that I think we have athletes from 35 different countries yep. currently. Um, and we're, we are trying to, like, I think like we want to be um, a global voice. And so 35 countries is great, but I think there's still many more um, countries that we'd love to get representation from and athletes. And so, um, yeah, we, we have projects that are kind of split into four different categories. Um, and so the way the projects were determined is that all the association members voted on things that were important to them. And then based on that, we kind of split things up into these different categories. So um, one is environmental issues. Um, another is anti-doping. Um, and third is competitions. Um, which is, you know, can kind of span things as far as like all the different running circuits um, and how the different races are kind of organized and, and work together. Um, and then the last one is fair sport. And so uh, the two working groups that I'm involved in are in the fair sport category. And so those are more specifically on kind of women's equity in trail running um, and then also accessibility, inclusion and diversity. Um, and so there's a lot of different projects that we're interested in working on within those groups. But um, yeah, I'm kind of pretty focused on the fair sport um, and just kind of protecting the, um, yeah, protecting fairness and accessibility across, definitely across pro runners, but also in, in the community and just kind of looking at some of the bigger issues that we have as a sport and really trying to bring in um, experts and, and people that can help kind of take steps to, to make changes in that, in those spaces. Yeah. Um, what do you think are some of the, the changes that could be implemented in the near future? And um, also, what do you think is the impact on even our activity as, as pro athletes on mm -hmm. the things that you're working on? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think so let me start maybe with like the accessibility and inequity or sorry, accessibility and inclusion diversity group. So um, we are building out our working group right now. And, and um, Francisco, this is something that we're both involved in. So, so you know as well, but we're trying to get good representation from a lot of different communities kind of across the world. And so one of these is like regional um, geographic regions. And so having representatives from you know, we have like myself from the US, you're from Europe, um, but then also making sure we're pulling in pro runners from Asia, from Africa, South America. Um, and so, you know, that that's one side of it to make sure that there's like good geographic representation, but then also making sure that we have representation from, um, you know, typically excluded communities in, in the sport. So making sure we have like good racial distribution, you know, diversity as well, um, also gender equity, um, and LGBTQ representation. So I think um, one of the immediate things that we can do with that is just like with, with the right people in that group, I hope that we can kind of help guide the projects that the Runners Association is, is working on so that, you know, even though like initially, like the, you know, the, the association is based in Europe, but we have members from all these different countries. And so, you know, one, um, thing that I really hope that we can achieve as a group is just making sure that as we're working for changes with different stakeholders across all the different um, projects. So like 
for the competitions and circuits, for example, um, you know, as we're, you know, figuring out kind of what, what things we need change there, making sure that we have the right voices involved to say like, okay, this solution would work well in Europe, but actually doesn't work for us as athletes in South America, because we don't have access in the, in the same ways or, um, or making sure that the language that we're using when we're asking races, um, you know, to, to share more information about, um, who's racing or how, how athletes can get in and making sure that the, the language that we're using is inclusive of all the people that are trying to, to be a part of it. And so I think that's kind of a, a really important immediate thing. And it maybe isn't like any drastic changes initially, but I, I hope that like that can kind of help set the stage so that as we're moving forward and growing as an association that we're really like thinking about ways to make the sport accessible. Um, and in the women's group, um, there's a number of different projects that are kind of all going on. Um, and there's actually a lot of overlap with many of the other projects. So like um, one of the major things uh, that came up as an issue was maternity leave and like pregnancy mm -hmm. policies. And so I think we've seen in the last few years, a number of races update their pregnancy policies or like many didn't even have pregnancy policies. Um, and so uh, one thing that we're trying to do is just kind of get a good consensus of like what what existing policies are out there and do they actually work for pro athletes? Um, so that's, you know, kind of looking at races, but also interest scores or UTB index and things like that, where um, if, you know, an athlete as, as a pro and, and we actually have really um, specific examples from athletes who are part of our working group where you know, they were competing as a professional athlete and maybe their contract has protections for uh, maternity leave where they're taking time off of of, um, of co competition because of having a baby. But so they have protections there, but then, you know, their um, world ranking doesn't actually get paused. And so when they have two years of not being able to race, um, then that's now like basically they, in, in terms of like the index and like getting into races and competing as an elite, maybe they're under a con pro contract and they're still supported as a professional athlete, but the way that the systems work, it means like they've lost their qualifications basically as a pro athlete and have to start completely over, which then, as you can imagine, as that extends, it's like now suddenly women, you know, we're like, we're already trying to, to fight hard to get more women, um, you know, competing as pros and more represented in, in the sports. But um, when now someone has a child, then maybe they're out of the professional ranking system for like four years. Um, and so that kind of sets, I think, everyone back a bit. So anyway, there's there's some a lot of momentum um, on that right now. So that's one of the things we're, we're starting on. Yeah, thanks for getting deep into your <laughs> currently focusing on maybe um, too deep i don't know yeah every, <laughs> everything's right now we're just kind of in conversation so nothing nothing set yeah. in stone in stone yet and just kind of gathering ideas and, and stories from people to figure out kind of what the best approaches are and um yeah and, and in general kind of as we mentioned before like we we really want to take like a holistic yeah. approach to things and make sure that um things that we're asking for are realistic but also kind of helping improve the community and the sport for not just now, but kind of with the growth and, and moving forward to make sure that um, 
yeah, that we that we're just kind of preserving the ethics of the sport. Yeah, that's why we've been doing lots of surveys and questions and kind of like collecting opinions from many many people to make sure that we are listening to as many voices as we can to mm -hmm. always take into account everyone's needs. Exactly, which is uh, very important, I think. Um, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, one other topic that I feel is um, is very present and very actual um, in our discussions, but also, like broadly speaking, um, kind of always present in the trail running community, uh, which is like the UTMB policies regarding accessibility and rules and price money and yeah. pro athletes rights, which is something that we've been discussing. And I feel like, you know, um, for the fact that you've been on the podium of UTMB last year, taking third place behind Katie Scheid and, and uh, Marianne Hogan, you're um, a good person to, to ask you this question. Um, you know, I think like I've never raced a UTMB race, but I follow the sport um, in all its uh, disciplines and races and circuits. And I feel like, of course, UTMB is positioning itself as one of the biggest circuits and stakeholders in the sport. But like my general impression is that its impact on the community is not as much as we could expect from such a big organization that could have mm -hmm. a tremendous positive impact on the sport. But so far, it seems like it's not willing to give back to the trail community what it could. Um, so what's your impression in general as someone who has been to UTMB? What's your experience being as a pro runner? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion and even... Um, you know, strong points that have been made by by some people, um, some race organizers. I'm thinking about the um, high, high Lonesome 100 yep. controversy, for example. Yep. So I wanted to ask you your general opinion on all this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. And I think anyone who has been in the sport, like you said, even if you haven't raced at UTMB, um, has probably been following what's been happening. Um, especially after like, there's just been a lot of changes with, with UTMB, with being taken over by Ironman and kind of, um, changing up the UTMB world series. And so I think with, it's natural that with any major changes like that, like there's going to be some friction with the community. And like, I think some, there's definitely some people who I think are really on board with it and others who are having a hard, harder time with it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I definitely have a lot of personal opinions, but I want to um, maybe not, <laughs> not go into depth about them in, in this format, but that is, as you mentioned, as a, as a board and association, um, we are really talking a lot about like what are what are some some next steps that we could take um to kind of help like uh, I don't know I help help make changes there. So um I mean I, many people know like the UTB 
just came out with the UTB cares policy with like the charitable bibs. Um, and there's actually, um, you know, not surprisingly, there's the uh, categories of things that they're supporting are things that we as a board have determined as like really big areas where we want, we want to focus, um, like, you know, environment and, um, women's equity and things. So I think, um, it's, you know, it's a great first step, but I think that to be honest, I think a lot of it misses the mark of what's actually really needed to make change. And so I am hopeful that, you know, that indicates that they're interested in really helping give back. And maybe, um, there's a way like, maybe as an association, there's a way we could be involved in helping advise them on, on better ways to do that. Um, that would be um, kind of one hope right now, but I think it's, it's still kind of early days. So to see kind of how that goes. Um, I do know, like as a, as a pro athlete, like UTMB is a massive, massive race. Um, and, and I, and yeah, I'm saying UTMB that the, um, the UTMB race is the one that I did, but I, I guess when I'm saying UTMB, I mean kind of all of the races that are a part of that and, um, you know, with OCC and CCC, TDS, um, MCC, there's, I think there's another one, YCC, maybe there's another one now too, but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's still, you know, I think like, despite the frustration that some athletes are having within some organizations, I think it's still, is like the big race that many people are trying to get to for the year. Um, and so I think, you know, it over time, I think it will see like if, if the frustrations that, you know, runners are having with, you know, whether it's the qualifying systems or where they need to travel to race, um, maybe that will, will change and will shift the focus of where a lot of the pros decide to go and race. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's a little too early to say that, but, um, I do feel like the, the current system is a little convoluted, um, and, and tricky. And I feel like I have like, I don't know, half of the conversations that I have with friends or people in the community about UTMB is people being confused about how to qualify whether they're a pro runner or they are um, just like a, a community runner that is, is really interested in going and experiencing UTMB. And so I think people are pretty confused by it. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've been confused by it too. Like I'm, I did actually like, uh, so I podium last year um, and I am hoping to go back to race UTMB again this year. Um, and I was, I'm offered a spot to go back as finishing on the podium but I still need to get a running stone in order to, to do that. And so I'm not registered yet because I need a running stone. Um, but like they, I, that means I need to travel somewhere. So I don't, I don't know, actually, no, like that's like kind of a, <laughs> a problem in my calendar. I have to figure out because um, there are only a handful of races in the U S and, yeah. and uh, they happen to fall on, times when I'm not available to race for because of other um, obligations that I have. And so I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I, I tend to travel a fair amount for, for work, um, for sponsor things and events. So I'm hoping that maybe there'll be like a, you know, maybe if I'm, I'm going out for um, an event or something in Europe, I can like team link that up with another race. But at this point, I'm not currently registered, registered for UTMB and I have to like go run. Um, I don't have to like uh, perform at a race I could actually just okay, go yeah. like attend it like I could hike a, a 12k and get one running stone but like that feels <laughs> a little ridiculous to me so I'm I'm still kind of like 
waiting to, to see how I'll make that work for my schedule. So anyway, like, I think, um, yeah, there, there's just a lot of changes. I think a lot of people are confused, but, um, I do really hope that, uh, you know, there's a lot of really good people, I think with the organization and some that I've worked with over the years, um, you know, through the UTM, well, through, through UTM world series, but even before when it was part of, um, the, um, uh, ultra trail world tour. Um, so there's a lot of people who have been really involved for a long time. And so, um, I'm hopeful that, um, I think there's a lot of people that will be open for conversations and room for growth. And I think that want to make the right changes and it just maybe going to take a little bit of momentum and possibly pressure from the community to get, um, you know, like not just them, but like, I think any big association or big federation, um, or brand to, to really make changes. So, um, yeah, I hope it's a starting point, but I think there's potentially a lot of, a lot of room for change there. Yeah. You know, I think in general, those organizations and people do things with the best intentions. Like it's not that they want to do bad for the sport or harm or destroy something. Um, but to take in a, to take into account everyone's needs is not always easy, and it takes yeah. maybe some time and a little fine tuning to establish the best rules and uh, understand what the pros needs and what the average runners expect and want. So, mm-hmm. like I, I want to give them a chance, um, but I also want them to to listen to to the athletes and um, to take into account what we have to say. So I'm yep. really hopeful that there will be a positive collaboration with them. And yeah, absolutely. Not just with them, but like with all the other stakeholders and circuits that uh, we have in the sport. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think kind of getting to what we were talking about earlier with the association of like, you know, it's, it's really easy for individuals to, to, you know, jump on something and complain about a policy or an announcement that they don't like. Um, But it's also like, I don't think, I think there's very few times when that can really be productive. I think what it takes for it to make productive and positive change is coming together, um, you know, with, with like some consolidated asks and ideas and working collaboratively with the stakeholders. Um, exactly. And so I think like, that's, that's definitely like the first approach that the association is going to take, whether it's with UTMB or some of these other, um, stakeholders and that like, we're really hoping to be able to have space to be collaborators, um, with the stakeholders. And I hope that maybe that can, can lead to some actual, um, productive, positive changes. Um, exactly. I think just establishing a common working ground and a common table for discussion mm-hmm. is really positive and it's something that is not always being done um, mm-hmm. because we've seen that for example federations have a hard time talking to circuits and establishing a calendar that takes tries tries to take everything into account and makes sense as a whole for example um mm-hmm. but we've seen that with many many other things so yeah i think we are, we're establishing ourselves as um an entity that 
tries to facilitate communication and exchange in between all these stakeholders, mm-hmm. which I think is just positive for the sport, for the, you know, the whole community yeah. in the end. Absolutely. So one of my expectations is that uh, people and those organizations and entities understand that and they're willing to help us in this direction because mm-hmm. that's what we're basically trying to do as like trying to be as general as possible, establishing yeah. a common working ground to to just talk to each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like a lot of times, even though the athletes and what, you know, whether it's the the pros or just the general community, um, you know, we're, we're at the center of, of these events and these circuits and, um, you know, these campaigns and things, but I feel like often we're not really included in the conversations. Exactly. Um, and so I think um, one of the really big changes that I hope can come from establishing the association is like exactly like you're saying we just like kind of positioning ourselves as um having a voice and a role for being involved in the communication um and i think i don't know i i get um back to the like i feel like i've been thinking about this a lot lately but i think like almost every conflict with like anything can be solved with better communication um mm-hmm. and so i think like it takes a little bit of work sometimes to establish the communication um and it often you know, there's some hard conversations that need to happen, but I think like, you know, with any relationship, it's like good communication can, can bring change. And so I think that's a a really good starting point and good initial goal for us as an association is just like having those conversations. Yeah. Um, Just in general, do you think that the pro athletes, the elite athletes are getting the recognition that they deserve from your own perspective like uh, in general do you like mean from, like from brands or from races or yeah a little bit every, um, from um, everything from all sides you know just from the general public but also from the brands and uh, from the way they're involved uh, with circuits with mm-hmm. the big races for example um that's a good question I mean I think I've seen throughout my career, there be more and more support given to pro athletes. Um, and so I think that's awesome and that's growing, but I do think like we're in, we're in a, a time period where things are changing. And so there's like it, it that nothing really changes linear, linearly, right? Like it's going to be like, there's, as there's getting to be more and more money in the sport, um, my hope is that more of that money will be put back into the communities and into the athletes that are really helping support that. I think in some cases that is already happening. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, there's, there's pretty big discrepancies, um, in, in that support. And, and also like it, it changes so much. Like, I think, you know, there's, there's local races for me that have, only 300 people racing, you know, that are, you know, it just in, in my home state that offered just as much prize money as some of the big races that have, that I'm doing in, you know, across the world that have like thousands mm-hmm. of athletes running with a much higher registration yeah. fee. And so I think, um, you know, that's, that's one example of places where I think maybe they're, maybe athletes aren't really supported in, in the way that they could be yet. Um, but 
I'm hopeful that that's kind of starting to change. But again, it's like, I think bringing in like the sports going through a pretty big shift and like, you know, becoming more popular and also becoming more professional. And so like there's athletes that, you know, are starting to develop their careers as professional athletes um, that are getting paid for that. And that's great. But I also think like there's room for brands and associations to support athletes more in that growth. Um, But also like one, you know, one of the things that we've talked about as an association is like, as we're expecting as pro athletes, more professionalism, that also like comes back to us as pro athletes. Like we need to also be professionals in our sport. And, um, you know, as we know, that's more than just showing up and getting on the podium of a big race. Like there's, um, I think like really starting to see it as a professional career and that we have obligations and commitments to the brands and to the races that are paying us that, um, you know, it's a two-way, it's a two-way contract or two-way relationship. And so it's, it's less about just like someone giving you something because you're on a podium and more of like, okay, what is, how are we supporting each other? And so um, I think um, as an association, there's a lot of ways that we can have resources and mentorship for others in the sport who maybe are a little bit newer to being professional athletes or to athletes who are kind of at that transition point where they're trying to figure out if they want to go pro or not, or if they have the opportunities to really pursue that. Um, And just, making sure that as much as we're trying to professionalize the external parts of the sport, that we're doing that as individuals and as athletes also. So I think there's, yeah, I think, I think there's change in momentum and that's going in the right direction, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I agree. And we also want to educate a little bit the, the athletes and we're planning to do you know, a few things to, to educate them, to be more professional. Yeah. Um, because I think the way people have generally seen the relationship between brands and athletes is like a one-way thing that, you know, it's like very much unbalanced towards the brands, Mm -hmm. but it's also important to recognize that we have obligation and that we're bringing value to the brand. So it's not like we're getting money and gear from, from a brand, but we're, giving back something and that if we respect what's expected from from us from our contracts mm-hmm. the the collaboration is just going to to improve and get better and yeah. this will yeah. also lead to better opportunities to other people that will come after after yep. us i think yep absolutely and i think like what we we both found in our own balance of like a science professional career versus professional athlete careers, like being a professional athlete versus like, it's a, it's a full-time job. And like, I, you know, I think we both probably went through the same thing of like, I can't be doing both. And, you know, it's like once your obligations and responsibilities as a pro athlete get to a certain point, you, I, I don't have the time to be doing another full-time job. Right. So I think it's like, um, there's a little bit of a balance there and it's tricky because it's, it's not always like a clear switch. Um, and often like we're doing multiple things and have side jobs and things to help support ourselves. But, um, I think, yeah, with, with the professionalism also comes a lot of responsibility and work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's sustainable up to a certain point, but, uh, it's important to kind of set a boundary and, um, 
and realize when uh, it's too much. So mm -hmm. you need to to make a choice, and uh, mm -hmm. we decided to make this choice, uh, and uh, I think we were both happy with it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm kind of privileged and also living a dream in some ways. Uh, it's hard because it's not always, uh, you know, linear. And uh, yeah. right now that I'm, I maybe you know half injured and I'm running every other day. I question if whether this whether this is the you know the best approach or mm -hmm. whether I could have done something different. But in the end, uh, I think uh, it's something that we're really happy about. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever go back to be a full time scientist after uh, uh, your professional running career? I yeah, I think so. Um, I okay. think so, but. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like when I, when I first left my science job, I thought I would go back after six months and then I was like, hit six months. I'm like, okay, no, maybe in a year. And now this year I'm like, no, I'm going to give it like another full year. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like I keep kind of like extending uh, the window, but yeah, I think, you know, there's, um, a big part of our job is pushing our bodies and that you know, maybe is sustainable right now, but I recognize that that may not always be what I want to do forever. Um, how, you know, at the same time, I think there's a lot of different ways to, um, you know, be an athlete and, and pursue a career in, in athletics and in the outdoors. And so I'm definitely open to a lot of options. So I, I, you know, I think at this point, I think I'll probably, yeah, I think, I think I'd like to go back to science, but I'm not, quite sure when and I'm also really open to just kind of letting opportunities come and like you mentioned earlier like I think sometimes it's about making the taking advantage of opportunities at the right time and so I'll just kind of see where that leads me yeah for sure I feel like we're creating different opportunities both in the science and in the trail running uh <laughs> world for, mm -hmm. for ourselves for our future so in the end i hope it's a good thing yeah same awesome thank you kathleen and um it's been a pleasure to talk to you and to share just what we think and what, how we're involved in the pro Runs association um i hope to to see you somewhere this year but i'm sure it will happen and uh yeah thank you yeah, of course. Um, and even even before we see you in person, I'll probably see you on a Zoom call again <laughs> like <sure>. next week. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our great interview today. I really hope you enjoyed it, and I thank you for being a regular listener of this podcast. If you haven't already downloaded the Bertrand app, I encourage you to do so. There, you can connect for free with other trail runners of all levels in the Vertran community in our in-app groups. You can stay in trail shape with our free workout videos and get affordable coaching for your next trail running goal, all for $25 per month. Thanks again for being here today. Until next time, I'm Francesco Puppi. Thank you for listening to Running Long.